Hello and welcome to World Travel Essential, brought to you by SBM Monte Carlo, reinventing Monaco in a new chapter for the 21st century. I'm Richard Barnes. This week, long-haul travel sentiment is on the rise. World cultural leaders meet in Saudi Arabia. A nostalgic moment as the last Lufthansa flight leaves Tegel Airport. And in the second part of the program, Mary Gostelow takes us on a foodie tour of Munich. But first, to the essentials. The latest long-haul travel barometer is indicating a positive shift in people's attitudes to overseas travel from September through December this year. Still, it will take a long time before confidence for travel gets back to pre-COVID-19 levels. Results of the survey show slow recovery in the travel intentions of Chinese, Brazilian and Russian respondents, while Japanese and US respondents are the most pessimistic about taking trips abroad. The long-haul travel barometer is an initiative of the European Travel Commission and Eurail that monitors travel sentiment in some of the most relevant outbound travel markets for Europe, such as Brazil, China, Japan, Russia and the United States. Surveyed respondents in China, Brazil and Russia say they're optimistic about travelling long-haul in the last months of 2020. However, as European borders remain closed to travellers from these countries, the sentiment is negative towards Europe. This is especially evident for China, where the sentiment index for visiting European destinations has fallen to an all-time low. Japanese and North American respondents are the most pessimistic about overseas trips between September and December. Consumers in these markets do not believe they'll be able to visit Europe or other world regions for the remainder of the year. At a meeting in Saudi Arabia, world cultural leaders have pledged support for advancing the 2.3 trillion US dollar global cultural economy. Cultural leaders from the Group of 20 and other nations pledged to support the role of the cultural economy and to meet annually during the G20, meaning next year's discussion will take place in Italy. The theme of this year's meeting was the rise of the cultural economy, a new paradigm. In their inaugural meeting, culture ministers and officials from international organizations discussed heritage preservation, sustainable development and culture as a catalyst for economic growth. The talks focused on employing new technologies, developing digital platforms for artistic expression, while making cultural resources more easily accessible. The 7th of November saw the final Lufthansa flight to depart Berlin-Tegel take off from the old capital city airport at 9.20pm, headed for Munich. The flight symbolized closing the chapter to part of Lufthansa's history, which has lasted for decades, as all flights to and from Berlin will now be routed through the new Berlin-Brandenburg airport, which finally opened its gates this month. The Indonesian government is working on a plan to merge Garuda and CityLink with a number of other regional tourism services. It's reported that a new holding company will be created with the backing of President Joko Widodo in order to cut costs and streamline deal-making processes. The move is said to facilitate the direction of public funds to Garuda, which, like all other global carriers, fell into the red in the first six months of the year. On to hospitality news, and details have been revealed of the 
New Concept Designs for the Sharan by Jean Nouvel Resort in Alula, Saudi Arabia. The plans offer a deeper understanding of the architect's daring vision for the cultural oasis in northwest Arabia. Located deep within the Sharan Nature Reserve, the designs draw on the nearby Nabataean wonders of Hegra, Saudi Arabia's first UNESCO World Heritage Site. In a world first, this 2,000-year-old architectural legacy is being revived by Jean Nouvel for potentially the first time since the Nabataeans carved into the region's millions of years old sandstone rock. The end result will see guests immersed deep within a memorable journey through time and space, offering a true discovery of Alula's essence. Through immersive experiences in Sharan's wilderness, visitors will have personalized exposure to the hundreds of archaeological sites within Alula. Yet, this level of luxury will not be at the cost of the natural landscape, as the new resort will draw on emission-free power and new standards in sustainability. A core group is celebrating the opening of Sofitel Dubai The Obelisk, the largest Sofitel property in the Middle East and Africa region. It's a property that merges modern French art de vivre and ancient Egyptian heritage with the essence and culture of the UAE, where guests will step into a kind of timeless elegance, enjoy an exceptional experience in the iconic Dubai Wafi destination. The building was inspired by the Luxor Obelisk located at Place de la Concorde in Paris. Sofitel Dubai, the obelisk, has partnered with three prominent F&B and spa partners, Daniel Boulud, Shilovan Coverden, and L'Occitane. With the rise of remote working and post-COVID changes in consumer travel patterns, Banyan Tree Group has announced the launch of Habitat, offering a new way of living, working and travelling. Habitat enables guests to enjoy long-term stays at properties in more than 30 destinations around the globe under Banyan Tree Group's House of Brands, Banyan Tree, Angsana and Cassia. With greater flexibility and the possibility of experiencing multiple destinations with a single pass, Habitat inspires a different travel journey, meeting consumers' evolving travel needs in the new normal. With a Habitat pass, guests can book their stays in units of seven nights, with the choice to hop from one property to another within the same brands in different locations. Each pass is valid for 12 months, and guests may book up to four units per brand ranging from 7 to 28 nights stay, with the flexibility to redeem each unit at a different time. Well, talking of working away from home, for its part, Marriott says consumer feedback shows 42% of US business professionals would consider working from a hotel. At the same time, the group has announced a new program to work anywhere with Marriott Bonvoy, juggling working and schooling from home, and seeking a little inspiration to break up the monotony. Marriott Bonvoy's new Day Pass, Stay Pass and Play Pass packages have been designed as flexible options, whether guests are seeking a one-day stay from early morning into the evening, extended overnight stay with early morning check-in and evening check-out, or a multi-day work and leisure destination getaway. And finally, Hotel Beds, the world's bleeding bed bank, has announced the launch of what they call the Green Hotels Programme. It's a turnkey solution to take the company and its partners into the green economy and accelerate the transition of the travel industry towards sustainability. 
In order to focus on establishing a more responsible and sustainable business model, Hotel Beds now has over 15,000 properties within its portfolio certified as sustainable. These hotels will now be easily identifiable to the more than 60,000 travel trade client partners of Hotel Beds and Beds Online, including travel agents, tour operators, airlines and point redemption schemes, via this new green filter that will include details of certifications and offer tags. As part of this initiative, Hotel Beds has become a full member of the Global Sustainable Tourism Council, which is the leading global authority in setting and managing standards for sustainable travel and tourism. Time now for the second part of World Travel Essential, and this week Mary Gostelow is visiting Munich, where she takes us to discover a number of the local delicacies. Hello, this is Mary Gostelow in Munich. Just to warn you, if you're coming to this beautiful centre of Bavaria any time, well, for the next six years or so, the centre of the city is one big building site. They're putting a lot of the current main station underground and you can imagine that all the roads are up and diverted but in typical German style it's all very efficiently organized but you just need to leave a little bit more time to get around. Some tourists head straight for the Neu Rathaus, the home of politics and its balcony by the way is where FC Bayern greet their fans when they've won championships. Others head for the beautiful Nymphenburg Palace, reminder of the glory that used to be in some amongst some of these royal personalities. For something that's very up to date, look at the BMW delivery headquarters. It is a brilliant example of modern architecture. And if you want to see more science and technology, head for the Deutsche Museum. And art, well, you have a plethora of offerings highlighted by Autis Pinatotech. After all this tourist sightseeing and visiting Daumeier, the biggest delicatessen in the whole of Europe. Oh, by the way, do try their coffee. Some of the best I've ever had. But you also want to have local foods. You need to try some of the famous first sausages from Munich. Weisswurst is one of the specialties here. Weisswurst is, as its name implies, a white sausage and the very best you can get, according to pundits, is made by, are those made by Ludwig Wahler at Gastatta at Gross Market Hall. But actually, I've had superb Weisswurst made by many other people too. The white is... Uh, pork and veal 
and you shouldn't really eat the casings. You can either cut the casings off either end and squeeze them out or suck them out, or be more elegant and slit a sausage down the side and then scoop out the inside. And eat with a mustard sauce and very definitely with pretzels. And you should drink with this a local beer. By the way, don't eat vice first after lunch. It doesn't matter what time lunch is, but it's very bad luck apparently to have vice first after lunch. Oktoberfest is the biggest event of all in the Munich brewing calendar and six breweries are allowed to sell their beers during Oktoberfest. One of those and arguably the best known is Polena, a German brewing place established in 1634 by the Minim Friars of the Neudeck. This was an order named after Francis of Paola and Paulina started by uh, producing beer for the friars and any beer that they had left over, well, that was given to the poor. Paulina today is closely associated with and has um, and has equity input both from Heineken and from the local Shawkuba group. Now, Paulina does allow microbreweries around the world to brew their own beer, but all the bottles, every bottle of Paulina, whatever type of beer it is, is brewed right here in Munich and I went to see them at the Nockerberg Beer Garden on Hochstrasse, which can accommodate up to 10,000 people. Can you imagine? And I went to see where they brew 350,000 litres of beer every year. I'm talking to Uli Schindler, who is the senior brewmaster for Polena. What makes Bavarian beer so special, Uli? In my opinion, um, Bavarian beers, are, uh, we have a high drinkability. That means you can drink a lot, so it's not boring and not too strong taste. So we, Bavarian beers are Typical Bavarian beers don't use too much hops, so it's not just a bitter beer, so it's easy to drink. Yeah? When you say it's easy, easy to drink, what would you eat with one of your beers at uh, breakfast time? Well, Palana produces a lot of different types of beers, but one beer, a few beers are really famous, like, like um, the wheat beer, rice beer. We sell it all over the world, and typical breakfast in, in Bavaria is Weisswürste, uh, 
and wheat beer. So that's typical for us. You might have, therefore, um, two uh, white sausages and a bottle of, your of beer, yeah. beer of and yeah. that's a great breakfast. Yeah. And you also mentioned that in the evening it's perfect with pork and other meat and then also with some of your Bavarian desserts like of pancakes. Course, yeah. I think you, you can drink beer also to sweets. So Kaiserschmarrn fits perfect to, to dark beer, for example, in my opinion. Dark and, lager. And you are bottling here in Munich yes. all the bottles of Polana for everywhere yes. in the world. So it's exactly the same yes. if you're drinking it in China or if you're drinking it in Germany or in New York. The Palane beer always is brewed in Munich and comes from Munich. It's, it's bottled in Munich and we sell it all over the world. So we just have one brewery for the whole world. How does it differ, the bottles that you are brewing here, from the beer that is brewed by the microbreweries that I have seen in China, for instance? Well, we also have... Um, the same recipe for all the brew pubs, so the beer should taste the same, but well, anyway, we have different water, different, and even a little bit a different taste. So, from the brewmaster, so every beer is a little bit different, but not too far. So, I think you, you, more important is high quality, like Palana has. That's important for our beers. Uli Schindler, in a few minutes I have learned a lot about Polana. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, now that wraps up this week's World Travel Essential, brought to you by SBM Monte Carlo, reinventing Monaco in a new chapter for the 21st century. And now, as every week, in case you missed it, we bring you Mary Gostolo's Girl Ahead podcast. Mary loves looking ahead and... Pendry Hotels is spearheading a lively generation of luxury hotels for younger Outlook travellers. In this edition, Mary talks to the brand's CEO, Mike Firstman. This week, I'm talking to Mike Firstman, CEO of Pendry Hotels, and he is sharing the ideas and the aspirations of today's new luxury travellers. He understands it because he is that generation himself. He comes with no fixed ideas, just a brilliant creative interpretation of what new luxury is. Share his thoughts now. Mike, this is such a delight to talk to, dare I say it, a new generation hotelier who is really putting on the world map a new concept of hotels. How did Pendry come about and why Pendry, Mike? Thank you, Mary. Yeah, it's... Uh... You know, it's, it's been a great ride. Um, the idea of Pendry came about, uh, I'd say, a handful of years or so ago, really kind of coming out of 
Coming out of the recession, we noticed with Montage, our you know original luxury brand, which we're super excited about and we're continuing to grow and we, we love that brand, but we really noticed sort of a shift in how the luxury consumers are starting to experience the world and how they're traveling, where they're traveling. Um, their, their, their values have changed a little bit. Their preferences have changed a little bit. And we felt that there was this new wave of luxury customer coming into being. So we really wanted to take what we do really well with Montage and have a great service culture, have quality, have great credibility, sort of utilize all of our uh, infrastructure and operating know-how and create a newer, a newer luxury brand that really just from stylistically was a little bit different than Montage, which is very classic, which is in these grand settings. It's a little bit more resort oriented. We wanted to sort of take take a lens for where's the next wave of luxury customer going and how are they traveling and experiencing the world and pair that with all the things we do with montage and that was the that was the genesis of this idea of a complementary luxury brand to montage which became pendry um, which we, we really described as new luxury and it's been such a wonderful fit both brands complement each other very well we have crossover between guests in some cases we have crossover between both brands being in a particular market um, and it's it's just really exciting, and we have uh, so much opportunity in front of us, and we're, we're really thrilled about it. Mike, you keep on saying we. Who is the we? Well, the, the we is, uh, I, I speak on behalf of our company, but in, in, in uh, sort of more specifically, it's, it's a collaboration, a partnership with my, my father, Alan Firstman, who's the founder and CEO of Montage Hotels. So I grew up as a second generation hotelier, kind of learning about the business at the dinner table. I worked in hotels starting at age 15 at the Bellagio as a pool boy and worked at the Charles Hotel in Boston when I was in college there, worked every, you know, really every front of house position in that hotel um, and learned the business. And, you know, I taken a tangent here, but then I went off and worked for a developer and ended up ultimately coming back in and joining my dad. And he started Montage and had built this incredible company and this great culture and was growing and expanding. Um, and it was uh, you know very exciting to have the opportunity and he, you know, we have a great relationship and, and uh, it made sense to, to sort of join forces. When you both go into somebody else's hotel for the first time, what does your father, Alan, look at first? And what do you, Mike, a generation below him, what do you look at first? I think he, I, you know, I'm jumping out on a limb speaking on his behalf. I would, I imagine he's noticing all of the operational ticks. I think he goes in and he wants to understand, you know, he, he's looking more at the team and how they're functioning and making a guest feel and, and just sort of feeling the experience out and, and making sure that um, it's a comfortable experience. And, and I could tell you the thing that we both share is when we go into a new hotel, we are constantly looking for things that are great that we're excited and inspired by and want to potentially do a version of those within our own hotels. Um, for me, the first thing I, you know, I, I, I look for a sense of place. I want to know where I am when I'm staying somewhere. I want there to be a particular point of view. I always gravitate towards hotels that are, um, you know, designed and operated by hoteliers where you can sort of track one vision to the execution of the product. Um, so that, that, that's 
sort of what I think about, but it's, it's, it's always nice to stay in a new place and there's always something to pick up. There's a, a tip, a trick, an interesting thought, a, a design narrative, some experience that some great associate, uh, you know, helped sort of bestow upon you. There's, there's always something to pick up. It is fascinating that going into your San Diego hotel, for instance, there was an immediate sense of place. I felt I was down on the wharf. I felt I was near the gaslight uh, uh, district. And yet that's a brand new building. What a surprise. It felt as though it had been there forever and that gave it an immediate plus. And now you are doing some products coming up that, again are going to have an immediate sense of place, like um, Nativa in New Jersey. How important is it for the younger generation to feel that there is a bit of history and a sense of place? I, I think it's everything. It really speaks to authenticity. The consumer is so smart these days. They just know you can't you can't fake uh, you, you, you can't fake an experience you can't uh i think when you're lucky enough to have a place like natarar which is you know this incredible uh tudor mansion that was once owned by the king of morocco on 500 acres it's 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 so specialized it's so different to try to take that and make it slick and modern and contemporary would be so so disingenuous it would be such a such a jarring thing to do so you know, in each case, we really try to find what is the highest and best use, point of view, architectural style, interior style. How do we connect with a guest in a way that makes them feel like this is one of the you know most exciting places they've been, where they feel really comfortable? Um, it's it's a design challenge every time, and in every single property, it's different, and that's part of the fun, actually. It's it's uh, it feels like we're starting over every time which is kind of okay. It's the right thing you do for each property. They are Um, so different. I mean, Baltimore, Baltimore, it really is a former wharf, I feel. And I love those uh, attic rooms, if I can call them that, and the way the whole public space opens up and is so free and easy. You studied political science. Was that intentional? Uh, did you think that you might become a politician at one point? I had no idea what I wanted to do, God's honest truth. I, I knew I loved hotels. I knew I loved people. Um, I knew I didn't want a nine-to-five job. And I, I went, to, went to school at Tufts University in Boston. I almost went to Cornell, but I thought that was, that it was, I was very close to going there, but it felt too, too certain of a path. I was gonna go into hospitality, so I wanted to try something different. And I just took courses I liked. I took courses that interested me. And all of a sudden I sat down and was kind of counting up the courses I took and realized, wow, I, I, I like political science and history courses. That's, that seemed to be what I was taking. So I, I gravitated toward political science almost accidentally just because these these you know, courses interested me, um, had really no aspirations for law school or politics or more of a traditional route through that, through that major. I just, I wanted a good liberal arts, well-rounded education 
you know, learn how to read and write and, and communicate with people and, yet, and have a great time. What's so interesting, Mike, is you are typical to so many uh, uh, non-generational people of what they think of the younger generation being. You don't necessarily know what you want. You know when you see it, if you like something. And you are always looking for new experiences. And that's what Pendry seems to be offering. Supposing somebody is not quite sure whether to stay in a Pendry or to stay in a montage, what's the typical difference in the room rate and what's the typical difference in the age of the other customers? Yeah, I, I think the, you know, in a, in a particular market, Pendry would skew certainly a little bit less, but not significantly so. Um, so as an example, you know, Montage, we have a Montage in Deer Valley and we are under construction. We're getting ready to put forth a Pendry Hotel in Park City. Uh, same market and in, in our, with our Pendry property, we're in the canyons, which is a different mountain. It has snowboard access where Deer Valley does not. It's a little bit more uh, central. There's more people in, in the Canyons Village. Uh, it's a little bit more active. Montage is, is at the top of, of, uh, of Deer Valley and it's a little bit more subdued and, and classic. Um, it's, it's, you know, a couple hundred dollars less probably to stay at Pendry by the time, uh, maybe actually a little bit more than that by the time everything shakes out. But the thing that each brand shares is they're aiming for the premium positioning, the highest sort of rate rev par for their particular submarkets at the end. So Montage competing against Stein Erickson and, and, uh, and St. Regis. Uh, Pendry, in this case, competing against the Waldorf Astoria that's that's in that mountain. Both hotels will lead their sort of sub-markets. Um, and the guests that stay at each, you know, it's still, I'd say Montage, excuse me, maybe a little bit older, but it's still, you still have uh, a vibrant guest that's experiencing Montage and you still have, you know, a, a little bit older guest that's coming to experience Pendry. It's really, it's really the, the choice boils down to style. It's do you want very contemporary, in the case of Parks, Pendry Park City, very contemporary architecture, lots of programming, you know, all sorts of different, you know, a Japanese restaurant, a Mexican food restaurant, a rooftop pool, all these different experiences. Um, do you want to be sort of in that a little bit more or do you want a more sort of classic, really wonderful, you know, mountain craftsmen sort of ski resort, ski lodge experience at, at Deer uh, Valley. It's different That strokes sounds different so things. much fun, real, authentic. I love those words. And let's now talk about food and talk about Pendry West Hollywood, which is opening yes. the 1st of December, because there you have a Wolfgang Park, in, in, in a tremendous design environment. It's Martin Brunitsky. You can't do better than that. What kind, of food, what kind of food is Puck going to be doing at Pendry West Hollywood? So we could not be more excited. Wolfgang's awesome. Um, you know, we, we, we set out to find someone that we really wanted a local partner and a local mm -hmm. chef and someone we could, we could you know, grow business with and, and support it. And 
he's the best and he's Los Angeles based and we're, we're super excited for him. So we have, we have two sort of big restaurant offerings. He's doing the culinary for the entire hotel, but the two mm. big restaurants are Merois, which is on the rooftop, which is uh, sort of Wolfgang style and technique and flavors meets a, a sort of Japanese and Southeast Asian uh, style restaurant. So it's, it's, uh, some Asian flavors, some local California flavors, a little bit of his French sort of uh, French European influence. So really excited for that restaurant. It's a beautiful space, Martin Brodnitsky designed, uh, who we, we just you know really enjoyed working with. Uh, views of the entire city are perched on the rooftop in this gorgeous sort of airy space. Uh, and then on the on sunset, um, we have a, another great restaurant called Ospero. And at Ospero, it's it's more of a more of like a Milano kind of northern Italy based cafe. It's lots of grab and go. There's some great vegan items. There's a really lovely uh, pizza oven where we do pizzas and wonderful sandwiches from there. So a little bit more casual, uh, a neighborhood style restaurant can eat there three four times a week, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. There's great seating on sunset. There's a huge terrace on the backside of our hotel overlooking this garden and, and uh, sort of courtyard piazza at the property. So very exciting. And uh, there's a couple other spaces. He'll, he'll serve food on the on the rooftop at the pool. We've got this great social club in the basement of, of the hotel, uh, which has a couple of bowling lanes and some lounge and bars there as well. So he'll, he'll do all of the culinary for that. Um, but the but the two big concepts are Merois and Ospero, and both uh, both seem to be you know we, we're we're yet to launch them. But from everyone we've spoken with and kind of how we've positioned them, it's resonated really well. So we're, we're quite excited. To bring it's those to going life. to be so lovely. Opening in just a few days' time, Pendry West Hollywood, one hundred and forty nine yes. rooms. Plus, if you love it so much, you might still be able to buy one of the 40 residences that are there. And then next year, you are going to be opening in New York. You're going to be opening in Park City, Utah. You're going to be opening at La Quinta uh, in 2022. You're opening a Nativa scheduled for 2022 and Washington, D.C., how many hotels are you planning in all? And when are you going to leave the United States and take Pendry to the world? Oh, wow. Great question. So, you know, there's there's no magic number, Mary. There's it's it's really, you know, what do we have capacity for? And do we feel like we could create, a, a, you know, a magical experience somewhere and, and really lead a market and create something that's spectacular and kind of worthy and befitting of all the other Pendry hotels that we have. So there's no magic number. I think a couple of, a couple of years is a good pace. Mike, that magic word that you've used twice, you have been smiling all the time that we have been talking. Please just keep on smiling. Please keep on exuding a feeling of fun because that's what I've always found in a Pendry Hotel. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you, Mary. It's such a pleasure okay. to be here. Thank you, Mike Firstman. And I hope we have many more Pendry Hotels and not only in the great US of A. 
please let the world understand Pendry. Now, the world does already understand Four Seasons, and I'm so happy that next week I'm going to be talking to Christian Clerk, the Toronto-based global president of Four Seasons. Look forward to seeing you then.